that is part of self-care, not to be so tough on yourself. And if you are in it for the right reason and your heart and mind and you're passionate about something that's much bigger than you, the universe will help you figure it out along the way. Don't be so hard on yourself. You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, and I'm your host, Robert Glazer. Join me as I talk to world-class performers about how they build their capacity and reach greater heights in leadership, business, and life, and how you can do the same. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Our quote for today is from Robert Byrne, the purpose of life is a life of purpose. My guest today, Calvin Qualis, has built a mission and purpose-driven business. He's the founder and CEO of Scotch Porter, a grooming and wellness business that he launched from his kitchen and is built into a highly influential brand. Calvin is also the founder of Calvin Qualis Brands and an active member of Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America. Calvin, welcome. Excited to have you join us on the Elevate Podcast. Thanks for having me. So I, I like to usually uh, start at the beginning, particularly with entrepreneurs. What was sort of early uh, childhood look like for you? Were you a color in the lines, color outside of the lines type person or student? Um, I think I definitely was a color inside and outside of the lines yeah. kind of student, um, if that makes any sense. Um, but uh, yeah, when I focused, really good at coloring inside the line. And when I didn't focus, right, or I was bored, um, you probably hear this from many entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. When they're bored, they just, it, it just doesn't work. So I was really good at school when I focused, uh, when something caught my attention and when it didn't, terrible. Yeah, I was gonna say the problem is generally when people tell that story, the board was most of their early education and the focus was things outside of school that <laughs> interested them or whatever, whatever their side hustle was. So did you have any side hustles as a kid? Yeah, so one of the side hustles, so... Uh, one, uh, my mom had a barbershop, Beauty Carlin barbershop, and spent some time there as a kid, sort of off time or when we were at the barbershop and weren't like sweeping up here. There was a grocery store about a block away. And my brother and I would go to this grocery store and we'd make money like bagging folks, uh, you know, items up. So we, we created a pretty nice hustle with that. <laughs> so you got through school. Uh, so what did you study in college? So I went to school for, for business uh, administration. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was one of those. It was an interesting time um, because a lot of throughout my uh, college career, didn't know what I wanted to do. And it seemed like everyone around me had it all figured out by senior year. <laughs> and it's right. They, they hey, I'm, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have three kids. You know, I am uh, going to be a doctor or, you know, they had it all figured out. And I had no clue what I wanted to do at all. So in many ways, kind of felt felt a bit of a loser. But, um, you know, I had some wonderful experiences as a kid. I grew up in my mom's shop and kind of witnessed how they were able to help people feel better about themselves. And what I mean by that is as a kid, experienced folks walking into the shop, a pretty intuitive kid. Uh, some would walk in and I noticed that they didn't necessarily feel their best or look their best, but they'd sit in my mom's chair, one of the other barbers and stylists and sort of uh, transform them. They'd be transformed and kind of get up and look in the mirror, pop the collar and walk out with a new step. And then my own personal experiences visiting barbershops every other week. Got the fresh cut just for you. Um, I know it's audio, <laughs> but um, you know, you got a haircut for radio. Is that a phrase? <laughs> <laughs> but I've always known that grooming self-care had, had the ability to help one feel better about themselves. So every other Friday, despite you know, not feeling my best in college, I'd go get a haircut. I'd, I'm broke. I'd write like most college yeah. kids. 
use my last $20 and kind of walk out feeling like a million bucks. And it was sort of the impetus for starting this brand. It's so, but that's not what you did after college. What did you do after college? Yeah. So after college, um, my first job was working at a global design firm around a bunch of artists, designers, uh, all black, just wasn't, wasn't sort of the environment for me. Just, I did not enjoy it. And then I went, went to work in finance at a market research firm, global market research firm, uh, and hated that even more. What, what did you hate about it? Ah, oh, gosh. Um, sitting behind- <laughs> Sounds office, like a long list. Yeah. Sitting behind an office cubicle all day, looking at spreadsheets, uh, looking at this company making billions of dollars. And in my opinion, they were, they were building wealth for some of the companies that they were marketing for, but it didn't really have any- uh, I think what was always very important to me was like a social impact piece. Yeah. And yeah, I just hated sitting behind an office uh, cubicle, crunching numbers and looking at numbers, other folks' money all day. So did I read, is that where you had your uh, Jerry Maguire moment? Was that the job? <laughs> it, it absolutely is. I mean, I was approaching 30 very quickly. And I think yeah. when folks are approaching 30, you know, you start to examine life um, and the decisions that you've made in life. And I was not very happy. And somehow I equated this office cubicle job to almost like a death sentence in, in the sense that I'd be like the guy like coming in to work over the next 30 years, grabbing my cup of coffee on the train, just feeling like shit, excuse my language, coming into work, uh, leaving work, feeling just depressed and unhappy. Like that's not what I wanted. Yeah. And somehow I felt... I felt it felt like a ball and chain. And if I didn't get out soon, that this is what my life would be. And somehow I've always known that I was a little bit destined for more than that. Not quite sure what that thing was, right. but I knew in my heart that I was destined for something bigger and better than that. So did you draft a manifesto? Did you take the goldfish? Like, well, how did this go down? <laughs> so I, I, I did. I made a pact. I made a pact. I've yeah. always been an idea kind of person you know, great ideas, some not so great ideas. Yeah. Um, haven't quite followed up on some of those ideas before, um, before this brand, either because, you know, those self-doubts that, that all of us have as human beings. Oh, I'm not, am I really equipped to, to be able to do this? Am I smart enough? Am I bright enough? Can I really do this? Um, and kind of talk myself down from some really, really great ideas. And so I made a decision that, um, that I would attack the next idea and I would, um, Make, I made a pact with myself that I would attempt to do whatever that next big idea was. And, um, and, and you, went, you went to your roots, right? So you opened your fr- a barbershop. I did. Um, so one of those days coming home from work, uh, this was probably one of the most miserable days. You know, I'd get on the train, I'd pass this brownstone building. I probably passed that brownstone building about 700 times and didn't notice it. Um, this particular day, I noticed it had an epiphany from my time growing up in my mom's shop and all those wonderful feelings that I felt leaving a barbershop. And this day, I happened to feel at my worst and yeah. said to myself, what if I opened up a barbershop? Didn't know where, where it would take me, but I opened up a barbershop and almost immediately spotted an issue. Were you cutting hair? I was not. So I'm not a barber. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not cut here, unfortunately. Um, but you know what was it? You got to do everything else, right? When you open a barbershop, absolutely. There's a, a <laughs> lot. Probably of- had to mo- sweep up the hair. I, I did some of that, right. I did a bunch of things, but yeah, I, I I utilized the barbershop as an opportunity to flex my creative muscle. So it wasn't just a barbershop; it was a cultural hub, right? It was. Uh, we had art exhibitions. We had 
musicians coming in, live bands coming in. There was a bar, right? You know, it was this beautiful brownstone building that operated sort of a, as like a cultural hub or this mecca where you could come and get live entertainment. You can come and get a drink. Um, you can come and be inspired, you know, around discussions around mental health. So it wasn't just a barbershop. It allowed me the opportunity to flex my uh, creative muscle. But, but from that, um, opening the shop, I also noticed an issue, um, grooming issue with the men visiting the shop, very dry, frizzy hair and beards and kind of utilize, utilize that finding to then go home and flex another creative muscle. So, so what was the problem that you were seeing? Yeah, lots of it was it was at the very start of like with folks uh, beards, like lots of beards, uh, yeah. folks throwing out their beards, predominantly servicing men of color, yeah, all different races coming into our barbershop, uh, very dry, frizzy hair and beards, uh, growing out their beards, but didn't have product. So the market, you know, looking at the market, there weren't products out there that specifically uh, service uh, textured curly hair. Got it. And so I saw that as an opportunity. To, to solve the problems that they had, but also as a business opportunity. And so did you launch the specific brand or sort of the parent brands at that time? Did you decide you wanted to go into product or did you launch with the Scotch Porter? Yeah, so we didn't launch with Scotch Porter. The brand at that time, uh, if you want to call it a brand, was called Nude. And again, this was this was more about self-exploration. This, yep. was, this was trying to figure out what's next for me. So I started tinkering with products and learning um, about ingredients and started to craft products from the kitchen under a brand called Nude that began to gain some traction in the shop. Um, folks were very interested in lots of tweaks and feedback from customers uh, until we... Yeah, yeah, I mean, you had a great lab, right? I, I'm thinking about there's a there's a scene in the movie, What About Bob? I, I remember Richard Dreyfus is sitting there and he's asking for advice and he's like, there's a book that I know that could help you dramatically. And he looks back to his bookshelf and it's all his own book and he grabs one of them. <laughs> so, right. You're sitting in a shop and you're like, Oh, I've got this product that you should, you should try. Right. Yeah. That's exactly how it went. It was, it was a great experiment because I can go home evenings and weekends and I can craft something up and I'd get immediate feedback. Right. As, as a, I mean, we'll get into the product stuff, but as a, I'd say I'd describe you as a reluctant entrepreneur, right? I think there's, there's two types. Usually the ones that have a little bit of a, you know, fear around it or uh, imposter syndrome tend to be the more qualified ones. Then you have, you know, people who are just, just run with it with no, no concerns and they get in trouble. So when you actually did it, what was harder and what was easier than you expected? Or what did you like more than you expected? And what was, you know, you liked less than you expected of kind of being your own boss? Yeah, I think I really thrive and enjoy the problem solving piece of it all, right? Yeah. Uncovering a problem and figuring out the best way to solve it and kind of utilizing almost like a, the science part of it to, um, to solve the problem. I really, really enjoyed that. I think where I struggled a bit is I didn't have a background. I didn't have an MBA, right? I went to, I went to school for business administration, but I didn't graduate with an MBA. I didn't go yeah. back graduate degree. So this, you know, it's fun solving a problem, but then there's the business side of it that I struggled with a bit in terms of putting together a strong foundation to really be able to uh, grow and scale a CPG consumer products uh, brand. What I didn't enjoy building the team, you know, was a struggle because you cannot build a scalable brand without a team. That part the operations piece of it was a bit of a struggle. The problem solving, coming up with great products and using interesting materials. You like the creative side, not the 
not to keep the trains on the track side. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yep. did you find your keep the train on the track person? Because that's usually the magic formula for an entrepreneur. Um, so I've had to, I've had to grow with the brand. Yeah. And so I've had to, I've always been a left brain, right brain kind of person. Yeah. Um, I had to grow into both sides and become good at both. And so, although I bought on team members, um, yeah. that are very qualified in marketing, uh, in specific areas, I'm as of today, I'm still the visionary and the person that keeps things on track. Got it. So you must have a lot of arguments with yourself. I do. <laughs> Asking for budget, budgets and I, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult place to be. So you launched the nude product and then and then what happened to it? What was the evolution there? Yeah, I mean, there was there was definitely some interest from the customers in the shop. You know, we had word spread and we had people coming into the shop from different places outside of our shop, uh, Newark, New Jersey, outside of Newark, New Jersey, places like New York and Connecticut to purchase products. And um, yeah, the brand began to grow. And then we realized that one, the na- that we needed to start to take things a bit serious yeah. and that I needed to focus because I still had the daytime desk job. I still had the barbershop. Oh, you still, you didn't actually leave your job. I did not leave my job. Got it. So this was a side hustle of a side hustle. This was a side hustle <laughs> of a side hustle. So I had, I had three jobs. I had, you so know. So you were using your day job to pay for the, uh, barbershop, which was then paying for the product development. Exactly. So I had three. It's kind of almost like a Ponzi scheme, but not in the same, it same way. <laughs> it is yeah. the legal version. Of yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I had three jobs and I, I was just becoming very, very exhausted. Yeah. Um, and the product business was beginning to take off and I knew that I needed to focus. Um, and I made a decision that I would focus if I really wanted to see this thing uh, take off, I would need to focus. And so I ended up quitting the daytime desk job. And I also ended up closing uh, the barbershop to really focus on on the brand. Um, And at that same uh, time where I made the decision to to close those two chapters in my life, I decided that it was time for an overhaul of the brand. So name change, packaging uh, design change, uh, really upping the game on our formulations uh, and really buttoning things up. And then we launched three months after I closed the shop, relaunched after I closed the shop and quit the daytime desk job. And we relaunched as Scotch Porter in September. What year, what year was that? 2015. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time. And it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. 
LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So you'd be a good person to ask this because I've, you've probably heard this. There's some ideological debate. I know Adam Grant has a strong opinion on this. There are a lot of venture capitalists who are like, look, I'm not going to invest in... If you don't quit your day job and you don't believe in it, then you know I'm not going to invest in your business. You need to be all in. I actually think there's some data, though, that people who kept their day job while they proved out their side hustle, given the you know rate of failure, actually have better outcomes. I think I think he covered Warby Parker and some other businesses. So what... You know, what is your thought on that on someone who went that direction? Like, did it give you the time to get where you want versus if you had been all in, it would have been sort of throwing Hail Mary passes every day? Yeah. So one, um, you know, I I did not have the option to not have a job and do this thing, right? Um, Just my my circumstance, right? I did not have that as an option. So option A was not an option. I didn't have a wealthy (laughs) uncle or a wealthy aunt or a wealthy mom, right? So that wasn't even an option for me. Um, Also, during that time, you know, it it was financing wasn't an option either, right? We won't go into the reasons why that might not have been an option, but it was not an option. Um, And so I had no other choice but to keep the daytime desk job to fund the business. And in many ways, I think it was, it, you know, my suggestion for entrepreneurs just starting is, is to do just that. One, there's less dilution in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> there's that. Um, you've had the opportunity to prove that you have uh, a viable option for consumers. It's important to keep the, the daytime desk job, in my opinion, when you're, when you're first starting out. Particularly if you don't want to be broke, it sounds like. Especially if you <laughs> don't want to be broke um, to really fund the business. And so my suggestion is that that's, that's an incredible opportunity and folks should, for, should utilize it a little bit more before going out and raising money um, and losing money. Yeah. You can kind of work out a lot of the kinks. Um, right. Anyway. So we, yeah, we're bootstrapped. But there was something about the product business that, that made you feel like you could quit your job. So either, either you had saved some money or you just, you just felt like it was ready to go, right? And it needed you. Yeah, so I quit the job after you know eighteen months of being in business and doing business. We've done about a million dollars in sales. And wow. so, at the barber shop or the products, the products, products, just selling them to your shop or selling them elsewhere. This so we had we had begun selling them online as well because we, you it. know and the the impetus behind that was we had was traveling to our shop. So a million in revenue is that's a good sign to quit the job. That's a yeah. good <laughs> so. <laughs> So and this is this is working three jobs, right? Yeah, and also right. Another thing I think that is I think you hinted this, but 
I tend to think that constraints are a good thing, right? If you quit the job and someone gave you five million, you probably would have blown four and a half million on that of marketing, and because you could have, right? I mean, you absolutely you, you had to make better decisions with finite resources. Yeah, I mean, listen, one could argue um, that even after you've proven some traction, you know, taking money, you could still blow through it, right? Yeah, especially your first round of financing without without you know constraints. Yeah. And so, cause I'm, I'm a testament to that. Um, we bootstrapped, we bootstrapped the business, um, to close to $2 million in revenue and took on a round of financing in that first and, round. Of and what made you change your mind? So what, what made you realize that that was the path to go? So one, um, the opportunity yeah. realizing that we bootstrapped this business. It was myself and two other people. Um, one was uh, a graphic designer helping us with all of our packaging design. And then the other was just helping me to package products, right? Yeah. Um, helping to answer emails. So with a, a team of three, none of us were full time, <laughs> uh, being able to build the business to a million dollars yeah. in 18 months. Um, I realized that, th- that there was a huge opportunity and an underserved, um, segment of customers, um, that needed this product, wanted this product. Also, at that time, there was a bit of an arbitrage on Facebook, right? You could spend a dollar and seven dollars in return. There are a lot of people who made their business on Facebook. Look, this is why our business acceleration partners were having so much growth today in affiliate and partner marketing. Because I talked to so many CEOs who built their business on Facebook and Instagram, and they're like, "I just couldn't do it today. Prices are too high." Yeah, it was so easy back then. <laughs> it was. Yeah, but we raised the money. And you had you had a demographic that you could probably target very specifically. Very easily back then. Yep. And so it was much easier then. But the when I took the money, things had changed probably like three, four months later, in the sense that everyone was realizing that Facebook was a huge opportunity. Um, and so where you had this smaller pond that yeah. was, you know, easier to fish in, it now became increasingly hard. And that niche demo that I was honing homing in on. Everyone else was going after them now. Nike and you know everyone was going after this consumer. So we watched and just in a short period of time after raising the money, yeah. it changed really dramatically on Facebook, and it became increasingly hard. So that dollar that we were able to see in the beginning days uh, and see a return of six or seven dollars became like one to yeah, that's six times return on ad spend to one and a half. Yeah, look the the. Facebook, Amazon, Instagram are all auctions. And, you know, auction, the more liquidity and money you pump into the system, I, I kind of think of it as the casino, right? If you ever play blackjack, the table's full and the one drunk guy comes to the table, right? He, <laughs> he can ruin it for everyone <laughs> or she can Absolutely. ruin it for everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's what we, we witnessed. It was, a, it was an unfortunate uh, circumstance because we had, we were proving that we could spend this and see this kind of right. return. And then it's like, you get invested dollars and it's like, well, what happened? Where, you know, you so, someone could probably do a study that, that maybe three, four years ago, 70% of venture capital went to Facebook. Right. 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 I mean, so true. <laughs> in terms of acquisition, as soon as people got it. That is so true. Definitely true. But we, I mean, one could also argue there's some some strains that get put on a business once you raise money as well. Yeah. That you just didn't have when you were bootstrapped, right? So grow fast, grow quickly. At that time, it was at all costs. <laughs> and when when you talked about the barbershop, right, you really talked about how the community aspect of it, like the sort of purpose-driven. I know you've talked very much about Scotch Porter as a mission-driven brand. 
Yeah. How did you bring that same mission to a product and how do you kind of tie that all together? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, the business was started on uh, my need and desire to feel my best. Um, and so the mission of, of Scotch Porter is to help men feel the best, live the best, most fulfilled lives. And we've always felt that, you know, great product is table stakes. And, you know, folks, we aren't in the business of just selling uh, hair care and skincare and beard care products. We're actually in the business of helping people to feel better. That's the reason why people use skincare products and hair care and beard care, right? People want to feel great. And so with that, you know, it, it's our mission to not only serve up really great products, but it's also to educate consumers and talk to them about things that can have a real impact on their lives. So like discussions around sex, we have, we have those conversations all the time. Where, where do you have these conversations? On, on your social media? Yeah, on social media. Every week you'll see two experts um, come on to have a whole host of discussions, uh, everything about finances to to sex, to, uh, you know, eating right and wellness and just, just a whole host of very interesting discussions around, it's all centered around our approaches around wellness, um, internal and external. And some of that involves grooming, but all of it does not involve grooming. So the business was started on, on this desire to, to feel my best. And I, and I recognize that, that consumers want to feel their best. And I think it's important that the brand doesn't just deliver on really great product, but, but helps them in areas that they kind of raised their hands and said it's very important to them. Hey, Elevate listeners, whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space, and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. And as a buyer, what I love about buying from Shopify-enabled sites is that they already know who I am, and I don't have to create a new account or enter all my payment info. The ShopPay service makes it faster and easier to buy, which surely helps with conversions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com elevate, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com elevate. Harvard Business Review provides information, tools, and practical advice on leadership, management, and strategy through the hbr.org website, their print publication, and their podcast. hbr.org is your go-to for leadership and business management articles. A recent favorite is Stop Eliminating Perfectly Good Candidates by Asking Them the Wrong Questions. Then there are other world-famous case studies, which premium subscribers can access as well. HBR produces a number of leading podcasts from HBR on leadership to my favorite, the HBR IdeaCast podcast. A subscription to HBR also includes access to videos, the big idea, HBR magazine, and a wide variety of newsletters. While much of the Harvard Business Review content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. Go to www.hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter promo code ELEVATE right now to take advantage of this great offer. Again, go to www.hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter promo code ELEVATE to learn more about this great opportunity to help manage your career and business.
and what does that look like during COVID when people probably felt their worst for the last, you know, 18 to 20 months? Yeah, I mean, it just meant doing a lot more of what folks needed. So a lot of it was discussions around mental health. I've been on my own personal journey. Um, so I, I almost use this brand as an expression of what's going on in my own personal life. Yeah. You know, over the last couple of years, I myself have been on a health journey and have lost uh, an incredible amount of, of weight and feel much better. Um, and so we've had discussions around uh, just all kinds of things, yoga, fitness, yeah. a whole host of discussions, mental mental health. And I've, I've actually listened in on some of those discussions and I've walked away kind of selfishly getting a lot from these. Yeah. And just hearing uh, feedback from customers about what all that means to them, you know, is it just it makes us feel really, really good. And we're living up to our mission. Right. And that's what it's all about. So the one that I'm interested in, so the, the industry that you're in, this men's grooming products, like didn't even exist 15 and 20 years ago, would have been sort of taboo. Like, you know, you've got all the, both the, the hard goods and the soft goods. Like what, what caused this change? Because um, it's really interesting. I mean, right, this was just a women only club, probably one of the few of them uh, for a while. And now it's exploding. I mean, I, you could probably tell me, but I, I, I'd imagine... If whatever the market size is, it's probably 10x a decade ago, right? Or something like that. Absolutely. I mean, men's care predominantly in the past was around shave, right? It's yeah. just like the best a man could get. Yeah. Shaving, and that was it. By the way, no one felt really good when they went to CVS and had to get a security guard to unlock the. the- <laughs> the razor exactly. thing because they were $42 a blade. Absolutely. Just ridiculous. <laughs> really ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean, um, I, I think, I think part of the explosion of, of men's grooming is the fact that um, every meeting or like social media has just taken off. You and I are having yeah. a conversation that might've happened over a phone call. So you think vi- being on, being on video being on or being camera, on camera being yeah. in front of social media, right? always uh, having or wanting to present your best self, I think dramatically uh, leads to folks, guys trying new and different products, right? Whereas we may not have been as concerned in the past about uh, bags under our eyes when you're in front of a camera (laughs) and most folks are in front of a camera or use some form of social media, it's just important to present your your best self. And so I think that that has led to um, self-care. I think access to social media has also opened up discussions and have made many men aware of kind of what exists out there. You know, I always have uh, interesting discussions about new things that I have never even heard of. Um, I just learned of, what was it, lymphatic draining (laughs) today? (laughs) Uh, Someone just educated me on lymphatic draining. I had never heard of it and the benefits that it has for like your body and everything. And so I think just being open to um, having access to social media and, and having discussions around a whole host of ways that we can be our best selves. Yeah. How do you think about, you know, particularly in light of some of the whistleblower stuff this week, how do you think about the dichotomy of social media in terms of, again, learning about all this stuff, being exposed to new things, and then the clear mental health issues that it's causing people to be measuring themselves constantly against you know, other people, it seems, it seems like it has both pros and cons for how you think about <laughs> feeling good about yourself. I, do you, do you have a love hate relationship with it or is it a mostly love relationship? Yeah, I have a love hate relationship yeah. with it. And, um, I have, I've, it's di- very difficult to do, but I've 
trained myself to shut it off. So uh, the moment that you're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook <laughs> and you start measuring yourself up to, you know, the picture that someone took on this incredible vacation and you're like, I am busting my behind. Yeah. And I feel like I can't take a vacation in Greece, but this person right. that was paid for in staged <laughs> half the time too. Yeah. It's able to do that. They have this incredible life that I don't have. It's the moment that I start to sort of measure myself up to, to what I'm seeing. I turn it off. Um, I put my phone down and I go do something a little bit more productive. Not everyone uh, does that, but that's what I found has been really helpful. Um, so there, there are pros and cons. Um, I think, the pro is just learning information that I just like shared with you about. Like I just learned about lymphatic draining from yeah. social media. I'm still a little worried about it. it sounds very <laughs> medical. So it, it definitely has its pros and cons. I think it's just about being disciplined, right? And, yeah. and I try to be disciplined when that doubt starts to creep in. I realize that that's just a you know uh, a photo op, and that uh, things may be things likely are very very different for that person sort of behind the scenes, and I I just. I put my phone down. <laughs> yeah, the uh, there are a lot of pros and cons. You know, I think I, I I couldn't imagine being a teenager with social media and seeing every party I wasn't invited to, and you know, every like just oh. th- there are some good lies in that respect. Yeah. When you say, "Hey, I'm I'm hanging I'm hanging low tonight," you know, I'm, I'm not going out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to it. Yeah. And it's hard for, you know, I, I myself, uh, you know, 30 something year old man, you know, finds it difficult to be disciplined. So I could not imagine as a teenager having access to the social media the way that these teens do. Yeah. That has to be very, very hard. So what's next for the brand? Because I, you know, you talk about, you know, it feels like one of these brands that has a bigger purpose for whom, you know, a much bigger product line could meet that purpose. Right. So there's the balance between, you know, focusing and not getting too far to the core, but I but I imagine there are a lot of other product extension you're thinking about around how to how to make people feel better about themselves, right? Absolutely. Um, so the I mean, the reason that we get up every morning, um, some days are harder than others. Lots of days are harder than others, and continue to fight and just super passionate about around our mission of helping men to feel their best um, is what gets us up and out of bed and keeps us focused. And so continuing to to build on that reaching more consumers, um, helping men to feel best with valuable information and products is our is our core focus day in and day out. Interesting enough, I mean, as a brand that started out in the hair and beard space, um, because of those conversations around internal and external uh, wellness, you know, we've been able to launch things like uh, ingestibles. You know, we've had some success very recently launching an ingestible. We put it in a kit, a beard and hair kit, And interesting enough, you know, the supplements, customers demanded the supplement by itself. So because it was part of the the experience, right? It was part of the experience. Um, Because we have those conversations, you know, we've we've seen it consistently in our top 10, the supplement. And I think that's a testament to uh, building a a brand around the business that we're truly in, right? Again, I, I, I mentioned we're not in the business of just selling hair and beard care products. We're in the business of helping people to feel better. It's like that Netflix thing. Like they realized that they were in the business of entertainment and not DVDs. We realized that we're in the business of helping people to feel better. And what that allows us to do is to to launch things like an ingestible, something that folks absolutely have to trust you uh, to be able to take something internally. 
Um, and we've seen success with that product. And so you can expect much more from us. Was that the CBD product? That was the CBD. Okay. So there's a, a beard uh, here and skin uh, wellness supplement that we launched um, during the pandemic that has benefits. Uh, Irish sea moss and some other uh, wonderful ingredients that, that are used not only for biotin and some other things, not only helps with promoting good skin, hair, health, but also um, immunity boosting. Um, so dual purpose, it's consistently in our top 10. So you, you will see much more from us, um, you know, expressions of uh, grooming, uh, but also uh, wellness-related products and conversations around wellness, internal, external uh, wellness and grooming. That's great. Yeah, I, I just had a feeling based on your, on your purpose that that could lead itself to some really interesting product growth and, and, and categories because it's a much bigger... That's a much bigger, you know, circle than just shaving. Absolutely. And it, and it all feels just dialed in and focused in it. You know, we're still operating in uh, the realm of our mission and we've, we've done well over the last couple of years. We we're about doubling with set to double our revenue um, this year and the next year, double our revenue. And so just, just Great. really excited about reaching, reaching more consumers. So I, I know it's a cliche question, but I, I think for entrepreneurs, it's always helpful. What, you know, if you could go back and put a message in the bottle to yourself when you when you started this business, what 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 would that message be? Um, to not be so hard on yourself. Yeah. Everyone is trying to figure it all out. That is part of self-care, right? That is part of self-care. Not to be so tough on yourself. And if you are in it for the right reason and your heart and mind and you're passionate about something that's much bigger than you, the universe will help you figure it out along the way. Don't be so hard on yourself. All right, Calvin, last question for you. And this is, it's a multivariant question because it could be, it could be singular or repeated and it can be professional or personal, but what, what's the mistake that you've made that you've learned the most from? The mistake that I've made that I've learned the most from would be not trusting my instincts or my gut. Is that, is that about ideas, about people or, or both? Everything. Both. Everything, you know, people, ideas, not trusting your gut instincts and kind of going against sort of intuition or gut instincts yeah. has failed me uh, time and time again. And so I've, I've learned a tremendous amount from that. It's like, you have pretty good gut instincts, guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And I have a question like on that because I, I wrestled this particularly around people. Do you find that your gut is more accurate about what you should do or what you shouldn't do? Or is it even? Um, gut is usually more right about what I shouldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. That's been my experience. I, I have been fairly wrong on some people who, who I think worked out better than I thought they would. But I think when I knew someone was going to be a disaster, they were usually a disaster. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All, all the time, all the time. And so that's the one, you know, a lot of uh, part of running a, a successful business is, is about this art and science to to it all right yeah the science part is like the operations and and logistics and all that other stuff product to market and all that other stuff but yeah but a lot of it has to do with the art of it and yeah. a lot of us are making decisions based on what we feel is right, uh, right. Or what may not be right well and, and, you know glad i talked about this in blink but sometimes the art is science right you're you know, if you have had bad experience with people who are not humble, like you become very good naturally at recognizing that the person does not have humility and that that is a danger sign. I just think it happens at a, 
it probably happens at a subconscious level. Absolutely. 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 So that's, I mean, that's the one thing that I've learned along the way is to trust my, my instincts and my gut. Awesome. Well, Calvin, where can people learn more about you and your work and the company? Sure. Um, so you can find us uh, on Instagram at Scotch Porter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find me personally on LinkedIn, uh, Calvin Qualis. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at Calvin underscore Qualis. And definitely go check out our site, scotchporter.com. And you can find us in Target, Walmart, uh, CVS, and Macy's. Not Amazon? And Amazon. Oh, and Amazon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Love to have the big guy. <laughs> All right. So wherever, wherever goods are sold. Um, well, uh, Calvin, thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, he's built a great business, loves uh, hearing your story and uh, wish you a ton of success going forward. Thanks for having me. It's great. All right. To our listeners, thanks for tuning into the Elevate podcast today. We'll include links to Calvin and his work on the detailed episode page at robertglazer.com. If you enjoyed today's episode or the Elevate podcast in general, I have a real quick favor to ask please leave us a review. Uh, you can do that um, very easily. If you're listening on iTunes, just scroll down uh, to the episode library, pick Evelyn podcast, and you can leave a, a rating a review in a few seconds. So thanks for your support. Until next time, keep elevating. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.